story of a community that had a pre-existing good relationship with their agencies and they just continued to take ownership. You know, they transitioned it from getting the monument established all the way to, to, to helping direct its initial management plan. So I, I just think it's a, it's a great story. Welcome to this edition of the Keynotes Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Chavez, Communications Director for the Keystone Policy Center. As you've listened to this podcast over the last couple of years, I'm sure you've heard me tell a few personal stories that usually relate to the topic of a particular episode. And today is no exception. I used to work on Capitol Hill for U.S. Senator Mike Crapo, who is the senior senator of my home state of Idaho. One of his legislative priorities during my time on his staff was a land and resource management initiative called the Owyhee Initiative. It was a collaborative of local stakeholders working together to consider different viewpoints over how to protect and manage land in southwest Idaho. The collaborative brought together local ranchers, county representatives, conservationists, outfitters, the Shoshone Paiute tribe, and many others to eventually develop a framework on how to protect these natural resources while also considering the different interests in the region. Ultimately, that framework developed by that group was introduced as legislation by Senator Crapo, and the bill was passed and signed into law in 2009. I still remember going to the White House for the bill signing. Even though I had to wait outside of the room where it actually happened, it was a great day nonetheless. It was the culmination of an eight-year process of collaborative engagement, and while I didn't know it at the time, gave me an insight into the work I would advocate so strongly for when I would eventually join Keystone a decade later. So why do I start today's episode off with that story? To share it as a contrast, because every land's initiative or collaborative is different, as they all follow different paths to reach a similar result. Today's episode is about a collaborative effort to protect natural resources and outdoor recreation in an area of central Colorado called Browns Canyon. But the Browns Canyon effort differs in many ways from my example from Idaho. Perhaps foremost is the fact that in today's story, Congress never actually passes legislation to protect Browns Canyon. Another difference? The overall process began over 50 years ago. But the dedication of community members and their commitment to working together to consider diverse interests and perspectives is an important similarity. And it led to people living near Browns Canyon to have an influential voice in the conversation of how to protect the land and the natural resources in their communities. So stick around and I'll tell you a little bit about the Browns Canyon National Monument. On February 2015, President Barack Obama designated 21,000 acres of pristine canyons, rivers, and backcountry forest in Chafee County, Colorado, as the Browns Canyon National Monument. The president designated the monument using the Antiquities Act of 1906, which grants the president authority to designate national monuments in order to protect, quote, objects of historic or scientific interests. As I mentioned earlier, this is one of the distinctions from the Owyhee Initiative example in Idaho. Only Congress can designate land as a national park. And in the case of Browns Canyon, legislation was never approved by Congress to designate it as a wilderness or a national park, although it did come close. The effort to protect Browns Canyon began around 50 years ago in 1972, when the U.S. Forest Service found that tens of thousands of acres of Browns Canyon were suitable for wilderness. The Bureau of Land Management then continues to study the area in the following years, even soliciting public comment in 1980 on a proposal to recommend Browns Canyon as a wilderness study area. 
The vast majority of comments were in favor. Fast forward to 1991 when the first legislation is introduced in the House to designate the area as wilderness. However, it never makes it out of committee. In fact, legislation in one form or another gets introduced over the next 15 years but ultimately never gets passed. There are so many twists and turns in the history of trying to get legislation passed that I don't have time to cover them all here today. That's why the National Monument designation is so important. As I referenced, the President designates national monuments, not Congress. So after nearly 50 years of trying to work through Congress, land in the Browns Canyon region of Chafee County ultimately gets the federal protection through the President. But that's only the end of Phase 1 of this process because the next step was to determine how the land would be managed. Michael Kunkel is the founder of the Friends of Browns Canyon, a national nonprofit dedicated to protecting, conserving, and enhancing the natural and cultural resources of the Browns Canyon area. He talks about how after the long and windy road of designation, it became critical for the same coalition working to protect Browns Canyon to now pivot to planning for resource management. It took, it, it took a village to get a national monument, and we had hundreds of businesses, local businesses, that signed on to the idea of protecting Browns Canyon, whether that ultimately be national monument or a wilderness, then part two is you you have to start the whole process of creating a, a resource. It's one thing to designate a national monument, but if you don't have the proper resource management plan and the a, 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 an EIS environmental impact statement um, and a record of decision that support the values and the proclamation. So to create a resource management plan, there were again multiple multiple public meetings with all stakeholders. And out of that, um, we again created a second coalition. In 2019, the Bureau of Land Management and the National Forest Service began the scoping phase of the planning process. The Friends of Browns Canyon partnered with the Wilderness Society to form a coalition of stakeholders with whom to engage in the management planning process. Fortunately, the Friends of Browns Canyon and their stakeholder coalition had a head start when it came to suggesting a management plan. They already had a coalition of partners engaged for years, some even decades, on designating the Browns Canyon region for federal protection. It would just take the right facilitator to help shift the focus of the coalition to leading discussions on resource management. And so they reached out to Keystone. Jonathan Gertz, a senior project manager at Keystone, helped lead the discussions. So the Friends of Brown Canyon and the Wilderness Society uh, together invited us in to, uh, to help the, them organize a stakeholder coalition uh, that we moved forward with. And the stakeholder coalition included small businesses uh, in the Salida area. Uh, they included uh, municipalities. It included nonprofits in the area. Uh, those who were involved in, in the tourism industry. Overall, it was a fairly good representation of, of the local community. In May 2019, the agencies published a notice of intent to prepare a resource management plan and environmental impact statement for the Browns Canyon National Monument. The notice of intent officially started the clock ticking on a preliminary 30-day comment period. In June, the Friends of Browns Canyon and Wilderness Society Coalition ultimately developed consensus on what they called the Sustainable Alternative and submitted it as public comment signed by coalition members as well as more than 100 local entities representing more than 500 local businesses. In July, the scoping report was released with the Sustainable Alternative and submitted comments included. Here's Michael Kunkel. Again, hundreds of businesses signed on to what was our citizens' sustainable alternative. Hundreds of businesses signed on to that and every um, 
nonprofit that had any association whatsoever in our county um, with environmental issues. So, you know, heretofore, maybe some nonprofits that were a little resistant to get involved in any type of politics on creating a wilderness or a national monument, they also were supportive of the resource management plan. Um, that the BLM put together. And the BLM um, used almost without exception um, all the, 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 our platform that we created with the um, Citizens uh, Sustainable Alternative. And that's where Keystone w- was, was super helpful in helping to collate all the input, all the data, all the, 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 the viewpoints that were gathered at um, the multiple roundtables we had or uh, uh, public meetings that were held in Poncha Springs and Salida, um, all the citizens and all the stakeholders that were invited to that. And then that was, if you will, winnowed down into what became the Citizens Alternative, which was then in turn submitted to the BLM. The existing relationship between federal agencies and local community leaders was a critical distinction in this process that helped it progress and ultimately achieve a stronger plan. Here's Jonathan. One of the interesting ways uh, in which this project differed was that the stakeholder coalition had a close relationship with the with the BLM and the Forest Service offices, and the BLM at this point uh, in history was was given a mandate, newly given a mandate to complete NEPA processes such as this resource management plan within a calendar year, which is just a huge shift from what it used to be years years long process. And so the the BLM did the uh, did the good thing of, of letting the stakeholder coalition know that the, the planning process was about to start before it actually started. And so we started uh, pre-scoping uh, phase and, and had three meetings with the community uh, in order to help set up what they wanted out of the resource management plan before the resource management plan was even drafted. So over the course of three meetings with Keystone, uh, we developed what they call the sustainable alternative, uh, which includes everything, including significant management uh, divisions within the monument, including uh, ways that they wanted different areas of the the monument managed. And the BLM took this as an informal comment ahead of time and used it to help structure one of the alternatives that went into the draft resource management plan, which closely mirrored the uh, the sustainable alternative. Uh, So engaging the community on this at the front end way before before the planning even began was a really unique opportunity with this. In October 2019, the agencies released the Draft Resource Management Plan and Environmental Impact Statement, initiating a 90-day public comment period. Friends of Browns Canyon and the Wilderness Society worked with coalition members to analyze the draft plan and craft a response promoting inclusion of recommendations from the sustainable alternative. The BLM and Forest Service then published the Browns Canyon National Monument Proposed Resource Management Plan and Final Environmental Impact Statement in April of 2020. The proposed management plan included virtually all of the coalition recommendations from the sustainable alternative. Kunkel shares how it was a great example of a community coming together to ensure their voices were heard in the planning process. It just shows the commitment to the local community that they wanted to see. I mean, even conservative ranchers or, or, or families that have been here for multiple, multiple generations, that just the best use of the land is um, for Browns Canyon. And I think this, from the, a fisherman's perspective, local fishermen, hunters, 
um, wildlife enthusiast. It's an easy area um, to actually for, for resource damage to occur if it's not managed properly. And I think um, the, the, the community got behind that and realized this is truly the best use of this land is to protect it, not only for wildlife, but for uh, future generations of people to, um, to be able to enjoy it, um, but still not damage it. Jonathan highlights how collaborative engagement at both the local level and then engagement with federal agencies resulted in a management plan that included community expertise, which in turn will lead to more general buy-in from local residents. It was great to see the agency take seriously the lived experience of of the local community uh, and to to really use them as planning partners uh, throughout the process. And I think the, the final plan really benefited uh, in substance as well as in buy-in from this from this engagement and and this partnership, and I think those those relationships will uh, enable future planning processes to be that much smoother going forward. I circle back to where I started in contrasting the Owyhee Initiative with the Browns Canyon National Monument, two collaborative initiatives with similar intent, but which have completely different paths and timelines. It goes to show that no two projects, no matter how similar they are, are the same. Each one has its own nuances and circumstances. But that is why a partner with the history and expertise like Keystone Policy Center plays such a critical role. And in the case of the Browns Canyon National Monument resource management planning process, it is yet another example of Keystone's mission in action, inspiring true collaboration to pursue common higher ground. The coalition assembled by the Friends of Browns Canyon and Wilderness Society, and later facilitated by Keystone, gave local residents a voice in shaping federal policy that is having a significant local impact. The coalition has proven that people with diverse perspectives can work together to achieve a common goal, at both a local and federal scale, which is particularly crucial at a time when the national climate appears to prioritize divisiveness over collaboration. These residents have proven once again that collaborative action in the pursuit of common higher ground leads to greater impact. is a production of the Keystone Policy Center, a 501c3 nonprofit organization based out of Keystone, Colorado, which for more than 45 years has empowered leaders to reach common higher ground. This episode has been made possible by a contribution from the Denver Foundation. If you would like to offer feedback about the podcast or suggest topics for future episodes, please email me at mchavez at keystone.org. That's M-C-H-A-V-E-Z at keystone.org. If you would like to learn more about the Keystone Policy Center, visit our website at keystone.org.